We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. guys i am joined by our friend and world famous taylor blake ward and also former scouting director for the padres angels and mariners he was also a scout for the mariner for the padres and expos he had a 48 year career as a scout and scouting director bob fontaine jr bob first how you doing my friend thank you jared it's great to be here i'm excited to have you on it's um when Taylor said that that you guys would both hop on with me, so we can talk about you know everything that's going on, I, I was you know <laughs> kind of speechless with everything that Taylor sent me. There's a huge you know list of players, and I you know just named off exactly your um, you know your resume, and it's it's really it, it's unbelievable. But Taylor, I didn't forget about you. How you doing? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, it's really exciting. This is the first time Bob and I have been able to talk about. Uh, certain things uh, openly, um, and this is going to be really exciting to do. So appreciate it, Jared. Appreciate you having us on. And uh, like I said, you know, I don't know what world famous. I don't know what world you're talking about when you say world famous. But so be it. I'll take it. I, I had to say something after you know naming off exactly what his, Bob has done. I, I'm you know, like, like I said, I was kind of speechless when uh, when you started naming off everybody and everything. So. Guys, let's kind of just you know start off with the real reason why you guys are here. Taylor, just you know, kind of tell us about the tell us about the book. Tell us about what's kind of going on with everything. Absolutely, uh, you know, this is Bob's project. Um, Bob has been working on this for about, I mean, actually over a decade at this point, and it's his uh, it's the documentation of his life, and he wants to do it for his kids. And I'll let him kind of talk about it a bit. But you know, as I was writing this uh, this book uh, for Bob. I realize this is every, you know, this is what I would want to be told as a child about bedtime stories. These are the stories of signing Ozzie Smith, Randy Johnson, um, you know, Tim Sam and Garrett Anderson, that essentially that entire O2 Angels team. uh, You know, it's like it starts with Galen McSpadden back in in 74, 75 and ends with, uh, you know, Brandon Morrill and the draft back then. And I mean, it's, it's really, actually it's Philippe Oman of all people, but you know, it's like, the, 
like you were saying, 48 years in the business, it, it's remarkable to cover um, and put this in a book and document this. So we're really excited to have the book coming out. And, uh, you know, Bob, I, I don't know what you want to add to it. Well, Taylor, I appreciate the kind words and, and it's done a fabulous job because there was a lot of fact checking after 50 years. <laughs> and But you know what, Jared, it's like Taylor said, I, I think when you get to a certain age, you look back at your life and especially for your children. And uh, I was gone a lot. I mean, scouting, especially in those days, you were on the road a lot. And I started feeling guilty of all the things that I missed in their lives. They're great kids and they've never complained. But I said, you know, I want them to understand. I didn't just spend my time in San Diego Stadium, Anaheim Stadium, Comiskey Park and, and Safeco. That, you know, this life wasn't all that easy, but the life that uh, that I think could give them a, a foundation for their lives and stuff, because I'm a high school graduate, I don't have a lot of ability to do other things. And I wanted them to understand because I think so often we think if we really enjoy something and we can't wait to do it every day that, that, that our houses are our children, that they share that same excitement. Well, they may like what you do, but they, they don't share the same excitement, especially when you tell them, I'm going to miss that game or I'm going to miss that fun stuff like that. So for me, it, it was for my kids. I wanted my kids to understand. And then as time went on and Taylor and I really dug into it, uh, I was uh, I was asked by a friend of mine, he says, Bob, you need to document really what it was like for the traditional scout, the veteran guy that is is disappearing from the game at, at pretty much a rapid uh, pace. And and so the way we put it, yeah, it, it's my story, but it could be so many other guys' stories. And uh, and we wanted to, you know, to, to acknowledge all these people, the men and women in the game that – that uh, worked during those years that, that I did. Yeah, you know, it's it's incredible. Like I said, I, I mentioned you know all the accolades, all the all the things that you know you've done, Bob. And I, I'm excited to read it. I haven't been able to read it. Uh, Taylor was trying to send me over a, a little copy, and I, I you know just wasn't able to open it. But I, I'm excited to read. You know, like Taylor said, bedtime stories. This is something that you know a lot of people, <laughs> you know, just kind of dream about reading in a sense, and. And yeah, so, I mean, is there anything else that you guys can really tell us? I mean, just promote the book, to th throw anything out there that, you know, you guys really want to do um, for the listeners here. Like I said, I haven't really, is there a title to it? Is there, you know, who's in the book? What, what's kind of going on? <laughs> well, I'll jump in real quick and then let Taylor uh, wrap it up. Um, it, it basically just documents how we scouted. I mean, it's so different today with... Uh, the, the statistical analysis, the analytics, the video. I mean, we didn't have access to a lot of those things. We did it. It was an element um, uh, business. And uh, we had to do it with reference, experience, instincts, learning from our mistakes. And, and the travel in the beginning, in the early years, was incredible compared to the way they travel today. And it just documents a whole, I think, era of how we went about our business to get these players because it is so much different than the way they do it today. And I'm not knocking today and, or anything like that, but I, I believe in it and uh, because we experienced some success along the way. And uh, I think it just opens up. Uh, it was in a different era. And uh, it, it, believe me, it's different. Wouldn't you say, Taylor? Absolutely. I mean, it's uh 
you and I have had these disagreements between analytics and, and traditional scouting, and and I would say it, it's disagreements, not arguments. But the more that you kind of understand where the game is today, the game today just is not matching up with the game in, in the past. And traditional scouting and, and these numbers, these true outcomes, is really kind of a part, a part of that. Um, to answer your first question, Jared, it's, uh, the book is called In Search of Millionaires, The Life of a Baseball Gypsy. I appreciate you asking, and I, <laughs> we probably should have knocked that out right away. But, uh, yeah, you know, for me and for Kyle Glazer, who edited the book, Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, you know, we were talking about things, and, and he said, you know, this is the San Diego Padres when they were exciting. This is the Anaheim Angels or the California Angels when they were exciting. And, and Chicago White Sox, I forgot to mention the Chicago White Sox and Montreal Expos, you know. it's And for, you know, people that are my age or people that are around my age, Randy Johnson, Ozzie Smith, um, Jim Abbott is a huge part of this book. Jim Abbott is a massive part of this book. Um, you know, and that, that entire O2 team, uh, for the Angels, it's really exciting. But you get into current baseball and the transition that kind of occurs. I mean, you know, we're talking about Brandon Morrow and um, why the Mariners took Brandon Morrow as opposed to Tim Lincecum. And, you know, it, you kind of go into stories like that. It's the stories of getting lost, you know, possibly being trapped in Venezuela. Um, you know, we were talking to Pedro Griffol just yesterday about this. And, uh, you know, the Kansas City uh, – Kansas City hitting coach, and we're talking to him about it yesterday. It was like, hey, Pedro, you know, if it wasn't for you, Bob would still be stuck in Venezuela 20 years ago, you know? So it's, it's these kind of stories that that really just bring you in and make you understand the scouting side of baseball a little bit more without necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a scouting 101 kind of item, but it is, hey, this is the life that they live. And as Bob mentioned, you know, Bob is a very special person but there are others that have been through these kind of events and these kind of things in their life. So this story can be told a million different ways. Uh, but I got to tell you, you know, Bob's is the best kind of way. <laughs> Thanks Taylor. Yeah. You know, like, like you guys said, like, I, I mean, I'm just kind of sitting here, just the names you guys are, are naming off is, is unbelievable to me. <laughs> and I'm kind of uh, innocent starstruck, you know, it's, it, it is really crazy. And like I said, I'm excited to read the book bedtime stories of uh, Bob Fontaine and, and, you know, his background and, you know, players and scouting. And it's just, oh, it, it just sounds like an absolute, you know, dream of a book to me. So I, I'm excited to read it. Um, one last question about the book. Where can we find it? Where, you know, wh- when's it going to be out? All, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, so today is uh, October 21st, uh, 2020. It was Thursday. Um Based on what we know, we are about two to three days from release uh, on the iUniverse.com website. You go to the bookstore there. It's iUniverse.com. Head to the bookstore. It should be there. Uh, To my belief, it's by the end of the weekend. So you're hearing about it before before release. Uh, And we'll have pre-release parties. And we'll have, um, you know, you can go on... uh, Go on my Twitter, uh, at Taylor Blake Ward. Um, we're going to have a Facebook page. We're going to have an Instagram page, uh, among other things. Um, so we will have more information as that kind of comes forward. But, yeah, it's going to be through the iUniverse.com website. Go to the bookstore, and it will be there. Uh, pretty easy to add. Pretty accessible. Yeah, guys, go check that out. Go, you know, I don't know if you have to pre-order it or if you can just order it right away. But go get it right now because it just sounds like an unbelievable book. Just kind of a dream of a book for any baseball fan, really. So, Bob... 
you know, I had a couple questions for you. I, I couldn't get you on here without asking you a few things about it. So I just wanted to name off a few names that you either scouted or were scouting director for. And that's uh, Hall of Famers Tony Gwynn, Randy Johnson, Ozzie Smith. There were a couple All-Stars as well. This is just to name a few. There's a giant list of, of guys that Bob's been associated with. All-Stars Garrett Anderson, Jim Edmonds, Darren Erstad, Troy Gloss, Ozzie Guillen, and John Cruck. I don't know if proud is the right word, but is there somebody or is there just one or two guys in particular that, you know, you're just kind of still awestruck that you were able to, you know, be around and, you know, be with those guys in a sense? Well, well, first of all, Jared, I, I was associated with great evaluators and people that were willing to put their so-called neck on they believe strongly in it. We had, we had great staffs in San Diego and in, uh, in Anaheim especially. I'm proud of all those players that we were able to get, but I think if you had to pick one, it would be Jim Abbott. And uh, He didn't have, obviously, the career of some of the others, but he had a good career. But Jim Abbott brought so much to the game of baseball. And when you, you know, he, he didn't do it to make a statement. He did it because he loved to play. And he, his love of the game and what he did to play the game for me was so inspiring. It kind of, it, it gave me uh, a rejuvenation for the game of baseball. And, you know, Jim would go out on the field and, and everybody to me, it seems like their game just picked up because Jim never had an excuse. And so what excuse could anybody else have? Um, he had a great arm. I mean, he fit exactly what we were looking for. And he's such a special human being on top of it. Um, but, I mean, there was a lot of people that didn't share uh, in our, our decision to take him in the industry. And, uh, and then when he went right to the big leagues, minor leagues, uh, it just was a special feeling. And you could tell in the stands it was a special feeling. And, and I remember the year before we selected Jimmy, I think we finished in last place. And we had some, we had a pretty good ball club. We just had guys that had off years and things. Jimmy joined the club as a rookie. He won 12 games, which to me is a, is, is a tremendous year for a rookie. But we won 92 or 93 games that year. Now, I have no documentation to back up. But when he's in the clubhouse pitching and playing the game because he loves it with no excuse, how can that not inspire your teammates? And, again, documentation to back that up, but I think it was a big, big influence. And he didn't do it for that reason. He was just there because he loved to play. Special, special person. It's it's funny that, you know, every single time, you know, every sentence, that's come, the sentence that comes out of, you know, your mouth, Bob, is it's, it just makes me ask want to ask more and more questions. But I kind of got to stay to, you know, the questions that I, you know, had on my script that I want to ask you. So last question for you before I, I get you going. I know you got to get out of here. But this is kind of a tough question. So we can just kind of, I guess, scratch the surface. I know we mentioned this before and we were kind of talking before a little bit about this, too. What are the big changes from when you started in in Major League Baseball to now on the scouting side of things? On you know, like what do you kind of see that it's 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 a big change? I know that for a fact. Well, the, the biggest change that that I experienced up until the the recent changes was the addition, and because we we scouted without that, we scouted with the eye, and 
the funny thing of it is the veteran guys that did it, even with a radar gun, they wouldn't be off by more than a mile or two. Um, but it, it's become a tool. It's become a, a barometer. Hey, this is average, above, below, whatever. But changes probably in the last 12 to 15 years, obviously, has been the dominance of analytics, uh, you know, the statistical analysis, and whatever you want to say, video. And it, when you go to that approach, so much of the human element out. And the one thing that I always did, and I was a scouting director for almost 20 years, and I bet in that 20 years, I didn't read 100 reports total. I read people. And they would give me their preferential list, and we would talk about the players, and I could tell which players they really wanted. And, you know, they would show – Jared, there, there's a way people they express things without knowing how they're doing it. They're animated, their voice changes, whatever. They get excited. And I always felt, and those were called gut feel players. And you did it at every part of your draft list, from the top guys to the very bottom of your list. And I always felt if we didn't get nine out of 10 in the first 10 rounds that these guys really wanted, that we were in danger of not having as good a draft as, as we should have had. And it worked. The people told me everything they needed. I read people. It was a human element approach. And I think today there's more of a reliance on I'll look at a video or I'll look at these numbers or this formula. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's the difference. I, I, I just relied on people. And uh, we all had the same goal. Most of them did things a little different, but they did it with the same. And that's what you wanted. Because, and, and I won't ramble on, I'm sorry, uh, but I... Uh, I always said we don't want surprises, good or bad. We want to know what could go wrong if it goes wrong and what could go right if it goes right. And if we do that, we're going to have looks at people, at players, from maybe a different philosophy that they use to put together a complete evaluation. And I don't know how they do it now. I know that a lot of teams have uh, models, formulas, and this and that. And I still think human element doesn't always equal a number and we we tried to really really use the human element (laughs) yeah you know bob i I can just hear it in your voice it's it's the love for baseball it's kind of you know when me and taylor get talking it's kind of that same way when i think anybody with any type of passion you know gets talking about anything you can just kind of hear it in their voice and you know i i can honestly you know we i can hear it in your voice it's 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 it's, it's unbelievable you know we talked about the hearing side of things and it's just one of those things so Bob, congratulations on the book. Congratulations on a on a fantastic career. I, I was so excited to talk to you about this. I know we got to let you go, but it it was unbelievable to talk about you. It was an honor. It was you know great, and I'm I'm so excited to to well, read the book I, and everything. I, I'm humbled uh, by those kind words. I, <laughs> it makes me feel uneasy because you know to me this was just you know this was my livelihood, and and then every once in a while you realize, hey, people, you know, they have interest in what we did. And, and I will tell you this, Jared, I, the, the veterans that I've worked with through the years, and you see it in the book, I mean, how it's changed over the years, they all have that love. They all do. We, we didn't make a lot of money in those days, but we loved it. The personal satisfaction, because scouts don't get recognition, you know, like other people. And, and they live with that because they get the success of a player. 
And, uh, and we also weren't afraid to make mistakes because we knew if we made mistakes, we would learn from them. So hopefully we didn't make the same mistake in the future. But it was a great fraternity, and I, I, I ought to have been a part of those years because, like you said, it was a love of the game. And you've heard that term a lot, but it was truly that we love the game. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like I said, an absolute honor to talk to you about all this. I, I hope to get you on again to talk even more because I think we just scratched the surface. And, and I'm excited to read the book. You know, just thank you so much. I, I know i got to let you go, but <laughs> you have a fantastic day. And thank you again, Bob, so much for, for hopping on well, talking Jerry, to you. Well, Jerry, you're very kind and would love to come back. And I know you're going to chat with Taylor for a while. And like I said, he's done a fabulous job with this. And I can't wait to give it to my kids. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that, that's 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 so cool. I, I'm excited to read it, like I said, and just congratulations and, and thank, thank you so you. much for hopping on there. Thank you, thank you Jared. I appreciate it. What's going on, everybody? I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you'll get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup fee. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And now, back to talking Halos. All right, guys, we are back just with Taylor Blake Ward this time. The world-famous Taylor Blake Ward. Um, <laughs> honestly, I kind of feel a little bit more um, not necessarily comfortable, but it's, uh, like I said, talking to Bob, that was that was unbelievable. And, you know, kind of my first question to you about this whole thing was, were you ever starstruck of, you know, kind of who you're talking to? Because I, I was kind of sitting here listening to you guys about the players, you know, that, you know, we Bob talked about Jim Abbott and that that unbelievable story. But were you ever really in stars? Were you ever really starstruck by you know Bob in particular? You know, so when you're when you work in the business, it's like you know, I I have my little introduction in the book. It's you know, it's not the about the author. It's the author's notes, and you know, it's explaining that when I came into this business, you know, I was way in over my head, and you know, I'm walking in the dugout, and the first guy I see is Mike Sosha, and then I see Josh Hamilton, and it's like. You know, your first day in the business, you're like, wow, you know, those are superstars. Those are huge. But for whatever reason, I I never was starstruck. It was just, wow, you know, those are some big figures, big key figures. And then talking to Bob, you know, Tim Mead is the one that introduced us. And we just met at a coffee shop. Uh, You know, Bob and I met at a coffee shop up here in Lake Arrowhead. And, you know, talking to him, we, we just knew so many people together. So at first it was, you know, hey, this guy's really fun to talk to. He's, he's, you know, really cool, all these things. And then, we start talking, and I say, you know, I said, Bob, you know, who are some of the guys that you signed? And he's saying, you know, Garrett Anderson. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tim Salmon. Yeah, you yeah, know, I know those guys and everything. And then he's like, Randy Johnson. And I'm like, oh, you know, that Randy Johnson? You know, it's like, that's, you know, Randy Johnson's my favorite pitcher growing up for obvious reasons. Him and Pedro Martinez. And it's just like, you know, 
that is where the superstardom kind of came in. It's like, this is the guy that went and saw Randy in high school all the way through college, and he's the one that got him into professional baseball. He's the one that had Randy sign that contract. And it's like, that is remarkable. And, you know, you talk about Jim Abbott, of course, and we talked about Tony Gwynn and, and Ozzie Smith, but it's like, um, you know, Darren Urstead, one of my favorite players growing up ever. And I met Darren, and it's, you know, Darren and I have chatted, but it's just like, you know, this is the guy. This is the guy that brought them into professional baseball. And when you look at it that way, it's, you know, it's kind of like, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Tony. Who brought in Mike Trout? Who brought, who brought, Tony, uh, Tony, uh, gosh, why am I blank? Either way, you know, it, but it's like, um, you know, you, you look at Mike Trout, right, or whoever it is, and you don't think about the scout that signed them, that brought them in. Tony Regans, by the way. Um, you don't think about the scouts that bring them in, but you, you kind of have to honor that part of it. And it's the side of, you know, we can use Mike Trout as an example is, you know, none of us went to New Jersey to go see him in high school. And we don't know a lot of people that did. These are the stories, not of Darren Erstad getting the final out of the O2 World Series. This is the story of going and seeing Darren Erstad in his first game with the general manager, sitting there with the number one pick, looking over at the general manager and saying, do you have any questions? No, that's our guy. All right, let's go manipulate the system and go see 20 other guys so no one thinks we're taking them number one and ruin their draft and that's just part it's you learn the strategy of the draft it's remarkable so starstruck no but blown away at times absolutely blown away absolutely yeah so back on to the book taylor i don't want to you know you to give anything away but was there kind of a story that you were sitting there with you know bob or i know i think you had randy johnson you talked to randy johnson i fairly certain that you talked to ozzy smith was there ever really a story? Probably you said you talked to Jim Abbott a lot. Was there a story in particular? You know that like I said I don't want to give the book away, but that you were just like, wow, that's that's crazy. Um, you know, yes, there is. Um, when Russia fe- or when the USSR, the Soviet Union, fell, um, when the Soviet Union fell and became Russia, the Angels tried to establish a, a baseball academy out there. And they wanted to view that as a new premier prospect outlet, you know, the same way that we viewed the Dominican or Cuba or wherever. Um, and those stories absolutely blew my mind of a single baseball scout in Russia right at the fall of the Soviet Union and the perception of what the world was like at that time. And um, like I said, I won't give too much away, but when the sitting president sends you a letter, <laughs> you know, sends you a letter of recognition because of this kind of stuff, and the Wall Street Journal picks you up and has a front page article in the Wall Street Journal about a scout, uh, that really brought me in. It was amazing. Um, and obviously, you know, the international stories, you and I have talked about international side, and getting a comprehension of what's going on on the international side is really cool. Absolutely. So let's take this kind of whole story full circle now, and I'll, I'll kind of ask you a little bit, you know, about the about now times. We talked with Bob. You know, you've talked with you know former GMs Jerry Depoto, Billy Epler, and now Perry Manassian. What's the real difference between you know Bob and you know the new school guys? I know we kind. Of, I know Bob kind of talked about it, but what what have you seen? Well, I, you know. Numbers have been in the game forever and a day, right? Numbers have always been a part of the game, um, and that, that's never going to change. But it's the 
the concept of, of not looking at video and not looking at any numbers, you know, it doesn't matter what this guy's on-base percentage was in high school or in college or whatever or wherever it is. Um, and, and actually, you know, we, we kind of do talk about some of the numbers. We talk about Tim Salmon and how he struck out, you know, the organization thought he struck out too much in double-A as a 20-year-old or whatever. But Bob said, well, yeah, but look at his walk rate. Look at his walks. His walk totals are going up. He's seeing more pitches, and he's 20 years old in double-A. So, you know, there is a – these guys have always had a, a concept of the numbers. They've always understood the numbers, but it's that real traditional scouting that, you know, you have to see it with your own eye, and you know you're going to make mistakes. You know at some point you're going to make a mistake. I mean, Bob had a very good uh, – very good track record, but he, you know, he openly knows that there were some first rounders that didn't make it to the majors and that's part of it. And, um, I think now I think he touched on it is there's a lot of model bases. I mean, you look at some of the prospects that are just minor leaguers in the angel system that are being brought up to double a that should not be a double a. They just got drafted or whatever, or whatever it is. Right. And that prospect model alters because they ended their season in double a and you know organizations are going to look at the models a little bit differently so we're in a very analytical uh and i know that we use that term all the time but i think advanced stats world and we look at model bases as opposed to what the eye test is doing and i think that we're seeing the difference between certain organizations and what they do and how they do it i mean we always talk about oakland right we always talk about oakland as billy bean and Moneyball and everything like this but realistically Oakland probably has the the most traditional scouting department you could have. I mean, honestly, their amateur department is so heavy on the traditional scouting. It's remarkable. So, you know, you look at certain organizations and how they do things, and it really does change things in, in an interesting way. All right, Taylor, last question before I let you go. I know, you know, a lot of fun stuff going up, and, you know, we'll, we can talk about the book a little bit more after this. But there was a big thing that happened in the minor leagues, Jeff Passan reported it this last week. You know, we talked about it here on Talking Halos on Monday. Minor leaguers will now be provided housing by the organization. I'm pretty sure we saw the Astros, and there were a couple teams do it this last year. What does this mean? What are your views on it? I, I'm I'm interested to know somebody who's a little bit closer than the situation than I am. What what it means to them. I think we're in a little bit of a waiting period. Um, this is obviously a, a big step forward, uh, and it can be a positive step forward if things go right. You know, their housing has been the, probably the biggest issue for minor leaguers for a long time is because they get paid so little and they still have to pay rent. And depending on what Major League Baseball decides on this, you know, we don't know if they're taking part of their checkout. We don't know if they're. Uh, doing stipends, we don't know anything like this. So if they are, if this is an actual thing where they say you will be assigned to House X or whatever for your time with this affiliate and you are rent-free, this is a house that we are providing for you, this is, um, you know, maybe you still have to buy your own meals, maybe you have to do this, whatever it is, but if, if the housing legitimately is free housing, no stipends, no, you know, rent, no anything stupid like that, it's a big win for minor league baseball. It's a big win for the players. Um, you know, you got to give credit to minor league advocates, uh, quite a few outlets that really do stand by these minor leaguers, but we'd have to wait and see what the, what the stipulations are because I'm a little leery to, you know, what's the quality of the housing? You know, it, it, 
you know, you and I are very familiar with San Bernardino, California, right? And San Bernardino, California, it's not always the greatest place to be, especially at night. You know, are we putting these guys off of Fifth Street or are we putting them in Redlands? You know, what are we really doing when it comes to this kind of stuff? Um, or Loma Linda. And, you know, my, my wife is from San Bernardino. So, you know, to the people listening that are from San Bernardino, I have no <laughs> distaste for the city. I have nothing like that. But we all know that it, it is dangerous. You know, there are parts of that city that are not safe. So are we putting these kids in safe parts of the city? Are we putting them in quality housing? Are we putting them, you know, four to a room? Or are we putting them four to a four-bedroom house? You know, what are we doing here? Um, there is a lot of, you know, this should be a black and white issue, but it's a very, there's a lot of gray area that we do not know what that gray area contains with us. Um, so that's kind of where I stand is this could be a giant win for Miley baseball players, or it could just be another way of trying to pretend you're doing something good when you're not. Um, and that's a major league baseball problem. You know, I mean, the owners, you know, there are a handful of owners that are awful and a handful of owners that are great. And, you know, you got to give credit to those owners that, that are great. And you got to, you know, be leery of those that aren't. Um, but honestly, you know, this is major league baseball's decision. So, you know, Robbie Manfred, you, you got to step up and you got to provide these kids with fair wages. You got to provide them with quality housing. You've got to provide, these are professional athletes. And it's almost like major league baseball doesn't view them as professional athletes because they're not major leaguers. Um, and that's a problem. You know, I'm sorry, but Wander Franco up until July or whatever was making close to nothing. He was making less than minimum wage and he was probably rooming four or five to a, an apartment, you know, and it's like Wander Franco could be the MVP of, of the American League next year for all we know. And Major League Baseball is going to go out of their way to be like, oh, look at our 20-year-old sensation, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but you were screwing them for the last four years, so what, you know, where are we going to go from here? Um, these are things that have to be fixed, and it's a Major League Baseball issue. Um, the owners do have problems when it comes to this, but at the same time, you have to look at Major League Baseball to take the lead and make that decision. So I'm waiting to see what the end result is with this housing um, is it quality housing or, you know, where, how are we going to do this? Um, so for today, it's a win. I'm waiting for tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I talked about passion with Bob. I can hear it in your voice again. You know, like it, it's just kind of a, it's a passion when, when we get talking about this. And I think it hits home for us a little bit more because of what, you know, you and I do, you know, how close we are to some of these guys, you know, we are, we're on a talking basis, you know, we, we don't just, you know, report on this, we're, you know, we're friends with some of these guys, and, and it, it, it does hurt us to see what's going on, and it, and it, and it really sucks, so, yeah, I, I was going to kind of ask about the CBA a, a, as well with this, but I think it's going to kind of be that same, you know, mood talking point, it, it's going to be a wait and see game, I was hoping, you know, that this would have a positive impact on the CBA, but the more and more you think about it, you know, it's just kind of a, wait and see on the off season. I mean, you can kind of give your take, I guess, if this has any impact on the CBA. Um, I mean, it's probably going to be a talking point, but at the same time, these are minor league baseball players. They don't have rights um, with MLBPA or uh, MLB. So realistically, MLB is the one that just has to make this decision. Um, and it's almost like the Players Association has to fight for it when they don't really – 
necessarily want to. I think the Players Association has said, yeah, we all had to deal with it, but it's over. And I think that that's a problem. It's the players, you know, we're seeing some players, uh, Andrew McCutcheon in particular, kind of taking the lead in this, and, among others. But it's like, um, you know, some players just don't care. And uh, the owners are obviously going to sit there, and MLB is going to sit there and say, well, if you don't care, then we don't care. You know, that it's it, – it, honestly, minor league baseball kind of has to unionize for them to, to sustain sustain any rights. Because um, I don't really see where the players are going to fight for it. I don't know if MLB is going to fight for it. So I don't know what – you know, how much of this is going to be dictated in the CBA. I don't think it's going to be a breaking point for either side. Um, I think baseball has enough issues as is when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um I mean, you know, I've told you this before, and I, I'm being real honest about it. I don't know if we're going to play baseball at the start of 2022. I don't know when we're going to start playing. You know, CBA could go very smoothly, and we have a regular offseason or, you know, winter meetings and everything like that. Or, you know, we might be at a standstill, and Max Scherzer's walking around with Scott Boris at the winter meetings not doing anything, twiddling their thumbs. And, you know, we hit uh, – we don't play Major League Baseball until July again. You know, I don't know. Um I'm very concerned about what's going to happen with baseball next year. Uh, when we're going to play, if we're going to play, um, is it going to go smooth? Is it not? You know, where, where are the two sides? And, and obviously, how are you going to take care of minor league baseball? And um, right now, with the decisions from Rob Manfred uh, to eliminate, you know, so many teams and put this at a 140-team deal, it's ridiculous. So, um, you know, the, the growth of baseball across America – has dimmed down. Um, I'm not going to knock, uh, you know, ratings because of we have all kinds of stupid streaming services and all that crap. But it's like, you know, the Dodgers Giants game was like the most watched division series game in like 10 years. And it was on a Sunday. And I think the Jaguars and Panthers or whatever it is tripled <laughs> the viewership. You know, it's like, you know, we've got an issue is baseball is not America's pastime anymore. It's not America's primary sport. It's getting passed up by basketball. It's getting passed up by football by a long shot. You know, there's a lot of issues there. And part of it is, you know, you are eliminating, you know, we look at Burlington, Iowa, right? That's going to be our outlier because we're familiar with it. But Iowa, you know, those fans are going to have a distaste for major league baseball. So why in the world would they go watch baseball? If you just eliminated their, their in-person viewing of potential major league baseball players. Um, there's a lot of issues that baseball has to fix and minor league baseball is a very important part of it, but I don't know how much attention it's going to get. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's something that Derek C. Apollo and I brought, bring up a lot and brought up a lot when we had the, the COVID break and, and everything that, you know, they were losing a team out by him. They were losing a minor league team and he was very worried, you know, like how, like, what does that mean for baseball out here, basically? Because that's what they have for baseball. Um, I'm fairly certain that, that Derek is from somewhere uh, a part in Ohio. And, you know, the closest team that they have is the Indians. And I think it's a four-plus-hour drive for him to get to see the Indians or, or get to see a team. So it's – I I'm in full agreement with you. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's a – Baseball's broken, you know. I we talked about this, you know. You, you mentioned to it, you mentioned it to me off the off the record, you know. After I put that podcast out, that you know, you know, baseball is broken at the moment, and I don't know if there's a good way to fix it. I don't know if there's a way to start about it, but hopefully, 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 this minor league thing is 
is a good step in the right direction. I know we got talking on a on the negative, but hopefully this is a good step in the right direction to to making baseball right again, in, in a sense. So, Taylor, tell us about the book. You know, revamp us on the book. Tell us where we can find it. Tell us where we can find your work. Tell us, you know, everything about you. <laughs> the world famous Taylor Blake Ward. Uh, my social security number. Yes. No, um, yeah, I mean, we're really excited about this. It's been a two-year project for myself. You know, I said Bob has been working on it for over a decade kind of thing, and we're really excited about this. Um, so excited that we're talking about it before it's actually on the live market. <laughs> you know, it's uh, honestly, you know, it's called In Search of Millionaires, The Life of a Baseball Gypsy. Um, we're going to have a serious social media push. Obviously we're going to have a serious email blast, everything like that. We're going to be pushing this thing heavy. Um, So once again, in search of millionaires, life of a baseball gypsy, it will be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble about three weeks after we do go to live market. So in about uh, three to four weeks from now, it's going to be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, But right now, as soon as it goes live, which should be, Roughly the next 72 hours or so, um, even, you know, could be less, is uh, it will be on www.iuniverse.com. Go to the bookstore. It'll be right there up on front. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be 20, 30 bucks, something like that. I think it's 20 bucks. And uh, we're stoked, man. We are beyond happy. You know, we had a lot of people help us with this project. Uh, you know, I've got to say, you know, Bill Bavisi, Tim Mead, Jim Abbott. Um, Kyle Glazer was the editor on this. There's a lot of people that really put, you know, a lot of effort into helping us here. Um, and it's a big thank you. You know, you, we, we talked, I talked to a couple hundred people and in the book, we talk about a few thousand people and that, you know, a lot of it's players that, that you know about it. it's that O2 team. I mean, it, I think you and I talked about it is of the 25 members on that team. I think that 15 of them were brought in by Bob. Uh, you know, Bob and Bill Bavasi, and it's, uh, it's remarkable that, you know, this is what you're talking about, especially for an angel-centric, you know, obviously when it comes to you and me, it's, it's very angel-centric because that's what I cover and that's what you cover. But, you know, it's got, it's got all kinds of history in it, and not just baseball history, but just remarkable historical moments uh, that, that really draw you in. And um, there's some key figures that are mentioned in, in this book that you find out quite a bit about that, that maybe you didn't know, and I'm just really excited. I know Bob is too. Yeah, it like I said, I was when you were sending me over all the names because you just listed it off basically in a, uh, in a in a long text to me. I was <laughs> I was you know starstruck in a sense. I I was in awe. I was like, this is unbelievable. The career that that Bob had, you know, and it's a lot of scouts are like that, but you know, Bob. And we didn't get into this. Bob basically built, you know, the the 2002 team in a, in, in a nutshell. Like he he was the guy behind it, and, and it, yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm just looking at the names I sent you. You know, it's it's GA, Jason Dixon, Gary DeSarcina, Damian Easley, Jim Edmonds, Darren Erstad, Troy Gloss, Isaac Gann, John Lackey, Troy Percival, K Rod. Um, you know, just going through the the O2 team. You know, it's like a Ramon Ortiz is there, Orlando Palmero, Rob Quinlan, Tim Salmon, obviously a massive one, and Tim was a huge help with this book. Um, Jared Washburn, Matt Weiss, you know, a lot of history. You know, and Joe Madden is, is mentioned very often because he was a scout, a scout and a coach uh, with Bob. And just, you know, there is a lot of history. I've got to give credit to Joe Madden for all his help with the book as well. Uh, Joe Madden was a huge help with this. Um I gotta, I gotta, you know, doing the Zoom calls with with Joe, you know, every day. 
um, I've got to say thank you to the local media, especially in spring training when I was pissing them off talking to Joe about, you know, someone in Timbuktu that he saw for two minutes. And, <laughs> you know, Joe, he goes on for five minutes about it. Um, so, no, it's uh, honestly, man, when it comes to the Angels, and especially with the 20th, uh, 20 year anniversary of the O2 team coming out, there is a lot to understand about how that team was built. And this book really does answer a lot of how that book really, or how that, uh, how that team came together from Bill Bavese and Bob Fontaine, obviously Bob Fontaine Jr. And, and it's a really exciting project. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'm excited to read the book guys. Go, go find that book. Go pick it up. Have Taylor sign it too, because he's at angel stadium all the time and he loves signing <laughs> autographs. I absolutely, I will say this is uh, if you do pick up a copy, um, if you do pick up a copy, feel free to tweet tweet me or whatever at Taylor Blake Ward. You know, you, my email is taylorblakeward at uh, yahoo.com. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. And, and honestly, if you do want to sign copy from Bob and myself or, um, you know, we, we've talked to some of the people that are involved with this book, some players, and they, they've been open to saying, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of some things. So if you do have interest in, in anything that you want to know about the book, if you want to uh, sign copy you want to talk about things just let us know you know pick up a book and we'll send it our way we'll sign it for you and take care of you with it yeah that, that's awesome taylor and then finally where can we find all of your work where can we find you on twitter i know you mentioned it before your social security would be great credit card number all that fun stuff uh yeah it starts with a six um <laughs> <laughs> so there you go uh yeah you can find my work homeplayview.com um you know we're, we're working on a few things here and uh, it's gonna be a, an interesting winter when it comes to coverage especially with the cba and everything uh, we have our top 30 prospects out that's gonna be updated soon and you can find me on twitter at taylor blake ward taylor as always thank you so much for joining me here at talking halos it was a blast i'm excited for you congratulations on this book it is a enormous accomplishment for you in your career it is i'm so happy for you as a friend as well that it's so cool to see that yeah, man, it really is. I mean, I, I got to say, um, you know, you and I have grown over the years, especially uh, through Brent McGuire, you know, knowing Brent and everything. And, and then you and I have just really picked up a, a friendship. And I really appreciate that, man. And all those late night calls and me banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how to write a story. I, <laughs> I appreciate all your help. So thank you for not only having us on, but thanks for being a buddy. Yeah, it, it's an absolute honor, man. So thank you so much, Taylor. And guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Have a fantastic day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.